0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We start with a troubling picture of the financial situation many British Columbians are in. As Grace Key reports, two new surveys show we're taking on more high interest debt to deal with the rising cost of living.
1: If you feel like you're reaching a tipping point when it comes to debt, you're not alone. Rising interest rates have been the final push putting consumers over the edge.
2: The amount of debt that people are carrying right now, on average it's about 40000 in British Columbia of just unsecured debt that people have to figure out how to pay. Everything has gone up in price so they have even less money to work with each month to pay their debts.
1: The MNP Consumer Price Index finds just over half of British Columbians are unsure if their expenses can be covered without going into further debt. 44% are $200 or less away from debt. According to another survey, the BC Consumer Debt Study, credit cards followed by payday loans are the biggest problems for those who recently used a legal debt relief process. And having a rainy day fund is difficult when housing exceeds the recommended third of your take-home pay.
3: Your key secret weapon is to have the emergency fund, three to six months of fixed expenses that you could draw on. But when you're spending so much money just to keep the lights on, just to keep, you know, survive for another day, that emergency fund just doesn't get built up. And when the actual emergency happens, um, you're left with nothing other than the ability to rely on credit.
1: Most don't get into debt because of frivolous spending. 20% use credit for essential costs of living. 10% was due to health reasons. 8% separation, 6% job related. There are ways to get out of debt. For starters, don't listen to friends and family.
3: They might tell a husband to pay off a wife's debt because it's automatically joint. It's not, you need to know the information about that. You know, someone might say, well, should I co-sign this consolidation loan for somebody else? Generally not, that's generally a bad idea.
2: Legislation's there for a reason. It's to give people a fresh start when things haven't worked out the way that they planned it. And there's no shame in that.
1: Both of these license insolvency trustees say most customers don't file for bankruptcy. Instead, they have a consumer proposal. It's a way to pay off creditors. But don't put it off. Just 5% reach out right away. The rest suffer too long, leaving fewer options to get out of debt. Grace Key, Global News.
0: And it looks like Canadians' frustration over soaring grocery prices could be translating into more food theft. As Travis Prasad reports, many people are blaming the stores.
4: As sky-high grocery prices take a big bite out of shoppers' bank accounts, it appears more people are resorting to supermarket shoplifting.
5: It doesn't surprise me because it, food is really expensive. And people need to
4: eat. Concrete data is hard to come by because many cases go unreported. But one industry insider says the cost is substantial.
6: The average grocery store will lose anywhere between two to $5,000 worth
4: of food every single week. Sylvain Charlebois says food thefts have risen 40% in the last six months. Calling it a sign that Canadians are fed up with grocery companies. If you
6: go back a few years ago with the bread price fixing scheme, nobody went to jail, nobody was fine. Uh, the hero pay scandal, which happened uh, during COVID. And now with, uh, with food inflation being over
4: 10%, people are upset. Online, some actually condoning stealing groceries. Pricing people out of being able to afford food is worse than stealing food from a billionaire to survive. If grocery theft is bad, Why are companies seeing record profits? Food is a right, not a privilege. In 2022, food prices climbed at a rate not seen in decades. And this year, not expected to bring any relief. The Canada Food Price Report estimates all grocery prices will increase by an average of 5 to 7%. A typical family of four will shell out an average of $16,288 on food in 2023. $1,065 more than last year or close to $100 more per month. We need a stronger competition bureau. I mean the reason why people are upset out there is because they don't feel protected. Protected from price gouging disguised as inflation. Last week the federal government said it's getting closer to implementing the country's first ever grocery code of conduct. A framework to enhance transparency in the food supply chain. Advocates say it would reduce the power of grocery giants and keep more money in the pockets of shoppers. Travis Prasad, Global News.
0: The province is announcing a new permitting strategy to help get homes built faster in B.C. A new task force to push priority projects through, like purpose-built rental units, indigenous projects and multi-unit buildings. And as Richard Zussman explains, the new strategy is just the groundwork. It's, you know, multi-year, multiple risks.
7: They are hurdles of housing developers like Ryan Jabs try to clear every
4: day. The whole system of permitting and approving housing is set up from a place of no. The province trying to change that
7: by looking at its own permitting process first creating a single office that can process water licenses, transportation approvals, road rezonings, contaminated sites, and heritage inspections while working with First Nations communities, all in one place. Currently, getting a provincial permit to
3: build a new home can take multiple different applications, spanning different ministries with different
8: processes.
7: It's really an example of where the province is trying to get its own house in order when it comes to systemic changes and consolidation towards making the process of delivering housing for British Columbians a lot more efficient and a lot faster. Provincial permitting is only part of the challenge. Municipalities also have their own permitting process and the province is concerned that some communities move far too slowly. I think we can come to a place in the very near future where somebody
8: applying for a building permit knows up front what is required of them,
7: knows up front how much it will cost, and knows up front how much time it will take to get that approval done. Provincial permitting makes up only a small part of the housing puzzle. The bigger impact of the new changes will be a new standard expected to eventually be applied to municipalities.
5: If a province does what it can to make building housing easier and simpler and faster, it would make sense that the municipalities do the
7: same. The new permitting office will have 42 staff, but with the ability to increase the team to 203 and potentially work with
4: municipalities to handle the permitting work they can't get to. It's groundwork, it's foundational work to set up a system that could then take significant actions.
7: Significant action that could dramatically speed up the construction of houses like this all across the province. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria.
0: And there could be even more to this. So let's bring in our Keith Baldry from Victoria. Keith, the provincial government is also looking at something that's being done in Quebec to secure a bigger supply of affordable rental homes. What's going on there that we might adopt? yeah, so
8: last week uh, Premier EBy announced this new 500 million dollar rental protection fund. One of the concerns raised at the news conference was what, what's to stop these large corporations from outbidding uh, nonprofit uh, uh, corporations or societies from getting that access to that money in terms of buying uh, new, uh, older properties and selling them off or raising rents or evicting tenants? Quebec has a law that has first refusal allows the government to step in or nonprofits to step in and block a, a, a real estate investment corporation from automatic just outbidding everyone. Today, David says he's instructed his housing minister, Ravi Kailan, to take a close look at such a law.
3: But beyond that, I've also asked the housing minister uh, for his team to look at what's been done in Quebec. In Quebec, they have a right of first refusal for properties that are proposed to be purchased by real estate investment trusts by these big companies. Uh, and, uh, and the Quebec government has the opportunity. They get noticed that the building is going to be sold. They have the opportunity to have a look to see whether they wish to purchase that building. Uh, it does give them the opportunity to have a look at using their own fund, uh, to do that kind of, to buy that building. Uh, and it may be an advantage for British Columbia.
8: So the Premier also said even though the Minister is taking a close look at it, it's not going to be ready in time for legislation in the upcoming spring session. Perhaps next session we'll see this lock on the books in B.C. He also said today, uh, noting that the government's sitting on a massive surplus, there's still going to be more programs announced to help the affordability issue for British Columbians, including the housing issue. So lots more announcements to come.
0: All right. Thanks very much for that, Keith. A new report says Canadian home sales and prices will edge down in the coming year, but not by much. And as always, everything depends on the Bank of Canada. The CREA says sales will drop just half a percent, while prices will drop nearly six percent in 2023. Rising interest rates put a damper on sales and prices in 2022. And the CREA says both investors and first-time homebuyers have mostly disappeared from the market.
3: It's going to be a buyer's market in the spring. You know, I'm seeing a lot more inventory come to market. Uh, as an example, in the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver, in December, there was 1,400 new listings and 1,450 sales. Uh, however, now at the start of the month in the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver, as of January 16th, there's like 1,300 listings and only 300 sales.
0: Looking ahead to 2024, the Canadian Real Estate Association predicts sales will rise by just over 10%, and prices will rebound, increasing by 3.5%. A newly elected Vancouver Park Board Commissioner says the city's beloved Jericho Pier will be repaired, but it might have to be done with some private money. As Amadagahi reports, public-private partnerships could play a big part in repairing and revitalizing many of the city's aging facilities. Back-to-back storms packing destructive king tides
9: ripped up the Jericho Pier into an almost unrecognizable stack of timber. The power of the recent storms, coupled with the decades of wear and tear, meant the pier stood no chance.
10: ocean could be pretty rugged, and, and uh, that pier has been here for oh, 60, 70 years anyways.
9: Not far away, people are forced to climb tricky terrain to use the badly broken Trafalgar Street stairs connecting to Kitts Beach.
4: I know it's not a high priority, but it would be nice if they could fix it.
9: The destructive storms happened more than a year ago. And on Monday night, Vancouver Park Board staff will finally reveal the extent of the damage and how much it will cost to fix what is still broken.
11: We're not working fast enough. Commissioner
9: Howard says the ABC Vancouver majority on the new park board has inherited a long and expensive to-do list. To pay for it, it is willing to do what the previous board would not, partner with the private sector to generate revenue.
11: We'll have to fight climate change. And the densification of the city we cannot go to the taxpayers and ask them to pay more tax to do that.
9: She says her party will focus on making it easier for local food and drink vendors to set up on the Vancouver parks and beaches while at the same time asking for senior governments to fund more expensive infrastructure upgrades and repairs.
11: We're on a trail here that's uh, disappearing into the, into the ocean um, I'm not sure that Vancouver Park Board will ever be able to generate the revenues to fix that.
9: The report to Commissioners Monday could outline the cost of fixing the Jericho Pier, but it would likely be ambitious to think the job will be done in time for summer.
10: People quite enjoy walking out on the pier and looking at the water and, and that type of thing. And I think they would be negligent if, if they didn't.
0: And Madagahi, Global News. Former Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart is going to start a new job. Stewart served one term as mayor before losing to Ken Sim in the fall election. Stewart is returning to Simon Fraser University, where he'll be the director of public policy research. He took a leave from the school in 2011 when he was elected to parliament under the NDP banner before turning to municipal politics. SFU says Kennedy's political experience will be valuable to students. Stewart also revealing he has a new book coming out. On BC's efforts to decriminalize drugs. The future of a popular lake and its beautiful beach are at risk. Sassamat Lake is the pride of Port Moody in many ways, but the dam that makes it possible is on the verge of being decommissioned. What that means for one of Metro Vancouver's favorite recreation areas next on the news hour.
12: Holy Oh, be careful.
0: The rockside that's thundered down the mountain and closed a part of Highway 3 through Caramillos later on the News Hour. And disaster declarations in California after that parade of atmospheric rivers pounded the state. And the hope that's on the horizon coming up on the News Hour as well. Right now, though, the future of Port Moody's hugely popular Sassamat Lake is in doubt as an aging dam will need to be either decommissioned and removed or replaced. As Julie Nolan reports, if the dam is removed, the lake itself would change drastically with the water level dropping by as much as two meters.
13: For Susan and Mike DeYoung, the idea of any change to their favorite recreational lake doesn't sit well. It's almost devastating. We we come here every every day to do our um, cardio workout. With the owner of an aging dam, Imperial Oil, looking at decommissioning it, this lake would then look vastly different Water levels could drop as much as two meters. This lake is filled with fish. Uh, There's also things that feed on the fish. There's There's bears in the area,
6: coyotes obviously the preferred for the public would be to have little to no impact on the beaches, the marine life, the, you know, it's been there for so long. At a
13: Port Moody City Council meeting last week, Imperial Oil talked about the condition of the nearly 100-year-old dam. An inspection of the structure in 2019 showed signs of seepage. We really don't have a need for the dam anymore. Um, you know, it's it's really where we're trying to understand from the stakeholders where and First Nations groups where their concerns are. With hundreds of thousands of visitors to Sassamat Lake at Belkara Regional Park each year, the director of Metro Vancouver Regional Park says they will do everything they can to preserve it.
9: Uh, the downward to be removed, water levels could change. And so that is concerning to us. We would like to see the water levels remain in place. Um, to ensure that the habitat is protected but also to maintain the current visitor experience.
13: Maintaining the existing dam would be the preferred option for Metro Van rather than replacing it.
9: We don't expect any any changes to happen to the park without uh, more dialogue.
13: Because it's early in the investigative stage, the cost of maintaining or replacing the dam or who would pay and even a timeline are still not known. I would hope that uh, the public has a has a say in whatever uh, decision they, they decide to make. Julie Nolan, Global News.
0: BC Ferries is adding two new vessels and boosting service between Campbell River and Quadra Island. Two smaller vessels will replace the Powell River Queen They'll have space for 47 vehicles each instead of the current 59, but together they'll operate up to 11 more round trips per day. The new additions come into effect on Wednesday. BC Ferry says the change will reduce wait times and congestion. The vessels are part of a series of hybrid electric ships that are being added to the fleet. Just ahead, a heartbreaking hit and run that is so close to being solved.
9: You'll never meet a more kind,
3: compassionate, entangled person.
0: The victim who died, two suspects who ran away, and why police need help to lay charges. Plus...
10: To go forward, we need to go together.
0: A commitment from the U.S. President to fight racism on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day.
11: Final clearing stages of a multi-vehicle crash here in Burnaby, eastbound on Highway 1 east of Kensington. The right lane is still partially blocked by what's left of emergency crews. The traffic is back past Willingdon on the approach. New year, new ride is on now. Cruise through new roads this year with the 2022 Chevrolet Silverado 1500. Visit your local Chevrolet dealer today. I'm Tristy Wilson in Global One, hype high of Highway 1 in Burnaby.
0: Vancouver police are searching for a man wanted on a BC-wide warrant. Take a good look at that photo. Fario Mabanza is accused of assaulting a 70-year-old convenience store worker last week. Police say he's been charged with assault with a weapon, causing bodily harm, and theft on an elderly woman who tried to stop a shoplifter. The 27-year-old was released on bail and failed to make a scheduled court appearance. Abbotsford police are launching an appeal to help identify two people involved in a deadly hit-and-run in early December. The victim had pulled over to help a dog, and while police know who owns the truck that hit him, they aren't cooperating with investigators. Krista Dow has more on the case and the emotional devastation caused by Ellis's death. I
12: miss so much. I miss so much. The anguish is palpable. Amanda Wedgerick, still struggling with the loss of her boyfriend, Mark Ellis, an animal lover, she describes him as being kind and compassionate. The most genuine man I've ever known. Selfless. Present. (laughs) The biggest heart, just the biggest heart. My person. My person. On December 11th, 38 year old Mark Ellis was struck and killed on LaFeeva Road. Abbotsford police say he had pulled over to rescue a runaway dog. The suspect vehicle didn't stop but crashed just down the road.
6: Investigators have determined that uh, the two individuals that were in the truck that fled uh, were attending a party uh, in the area just prior to the collision. We really want the public to to see the surveillance footage uh, that we are releasing. The new surveillance
12: videos and photos show the suspect vehicle a red Dodge Ram pickup truck just moments before the crash. Then two people in the truck running away from the scene.
3: A very distinctive truck, very uh, dark red in nature.
12: Sergeant Paul Walker says the pickup belongs to an Abbotsford business, but the owner isn't cooperating with investigators. Police not identifying the business for fear of public reprisal. Instead, are appealing to the public for any information about the hit and run and the passenger to come forward.
6: Anyone with information, whether you're at the party, maybe you're friends of people that were at the party, I know there's a lot of people out there that have information. I encourage them to do the right thing uh, and bring justice for Mark.
12: In hopes of providing some closure for Ellis's loved ones as they try to cope with the immeasurable grief. I have nothing now, it is, my future's gone, my future's gone. Krista Dow, Global
0: News. I, I Friends and family of a young woman found dead at a Kelowna park one year ago today are demanding justice.
10: We also call in our community to please help us bring peace to the loved ones of this beautiful young lady.
0: The body of 25-year-old Austin Godfrey, originally from Kingston, Ontario, was found at the Glenmore Dog Park last year. Today, a candlelight vigil was held to honour her. Kelowna RCMP deemed the death suspicious and the serious crime unit is investigating, but now a year later and still no arrests have been made and her loved ones are demanding answers.
13: I have a lot of compassion for dear Austin that, you know, she had so much potential and, and uh... yeah. And I was taken away from her, and I just feel very bad for her that, you know, this had to happen to her. And no human being deserves that. And
0: Police say the investigation is still very active. Anyone with information or who hasn't already spoken to investigators is asked to please contact Kelowna RCMP. And we are learning more about Sunday's fatal crash in Surrey. Investigators say speed and impairment appear to be factors. RCMP responded to the crash near Portman or near the Portman on 152nd Street around 5 a.m. yesterday where they found two cars badly damaged. One person was declared dead at the scene. Friends have now identified that victim as Sherry-Ann Ramkasun. They've started a GoFundMe page to help with funeral and travel costs. They would like to get her body back home to family in Trinidad. They say she was on her way to work in an Uber when she was killed surrey rcmp are still investigating the incident still ahead watching war from afar we'll walk with stroller there and
5: this is the best area in the city
0: a ukrainian refugee in canada once called this place home and reflects on this weekend's tragedy and what's hampering the recovery effort in nepal where a plane went down this weekend while attempting to land at a brand new airport
11: Good evening. Traffic is in pretty decent shape over here in both directions at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Just a bit of leftover volume eastbound on the east-west connector between Knight and the S-curve. Renew your ICBC auto plan online with BC's most trusted insurance brand. Just select BCAA as your preferred broker. Learn more at bcaa.com slash car. I'm Trish Wilson in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge.
0: The investigation continues into the deadly plane crash in Nepal. The aircraft went down into a gorge on Sunday, attempting to land at a new airport opened just two weeks ago. Rescuers have been scouring the site of the tragedy ever since. The recovery effort is very dangerous, with parts of the plane hanging over a cliff. The cause of the crash hasn't been determined yet. This is Nepal's worst airplane accident in three decades, with at least 68 people confirmed dead. The death toll from Saturday's Russian missile strike on an apartment building in the Ukrainian city of Dnipro has risen to 40. Carolyn Currie de Castillo has more from one woman who has been helping survivors and a Calgary refugee who used to call that city home.
5: Feeling you like you're in Kate Shushko and her daughter fled to Calgary when the war started last year from the Ukrainian city of Dnipro. She's devastated by the tragedy that has taken so many lives in the place she once called home. It's so hard for me because we, we walk with stroller there and this is the best area in the city. To be honest, it's really the best community for people. Families because there are a lot of playground the apartment building that was hundreds of people was split in two after the Russian missile attack on Saturday
12: We felt this explosion even being 30 kilometers from there. So it's it was really
5: Massive. Alexandra Holota was at the apartment on Sunday helping survivors. She remembers the sound of rubble falling down as rescuers tried to reach people inside. You
12: start to think about how many lives just vanished after yesterday. I like walking around and it's the only thought that is in my head now that this could happen to my house.
5: Halota's brother's family has relocated to Canada, but despite the constant threat, she has no plans to
12: leave Ukraine. I don't want to leave in any case, maybe in such a case when it will be like the top, when I will feel like, okay, I'm not ready to die. I to go, but not now. I still want to help as much as I can.
5: Russia has repeatedly denied targeting civilians in the war. For people like Kate, who have had to leave their homes and loved ones behind, they believe the attack on innocent civilians is nothing short of terrorism. That's cruel. That's horrible. And that's not forgiven. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News.
0: U.S. President Joe Biden has marked Martin Luther King Jr. Day south of the border. The
10: path is clear. To go forward, we need to go together. So let's be guided by Dr. King's light and by the charge of scripture, which is, let us never grow weary in doing what is right, for if we do not give up, we will reap our harvest in due time.
0: Biden delivered the annual keynote address at a celebration in Washington, D.C. He was joined by Reverend Al Sharpton, along with members of Martin Luther King's family. The president also addressed how this administration is working to help support black-owned businesses, build black generational wealth, and improve policing. In health matters tonight, Canadian veterans and first responders will soon benefit from a program focused on improving the skills of people who provide mental health support services. The program is being offered by Wounded Warriors Canada alongside the Atlas Institute for Veterans and Families. It's the result of complaints and concerns from veterans and first responders who felt their mental health professionals didn't understand what they needed or even how to talk to them. So far, about 800 health care professionals have signed up to participate in the online training. Just ahead, a lot of love for Gino Oje, the life of the legendary Canucks enforcer and those who say he should definitely be on the Ring of Honour. That's later. And you heard about a police dog, but what about a cruiser cat? The story behind this encounter in Victoria, next. Join the new Global BC
14: Arts and Culture Scene segment as we explore all the people and places that make our creative community so special. So come make the scene. The Global BC Arts and Culture
0: Scene on Global BC and BC One. A significant rock slide has closed part of Highway 3 just west of Carameos. You can hear it thundering down the slope. Area residents reported they could hear the slide starting around 6.30 this morning. Some say it's the third slide in just a week. The road is shut down in both directions. Detours are available. A geotechnical assessment will be completed tomorrow, but make sure you check Drive B.C. All right, now, after weeks of relentless rains that have left the state of California waterlogged, the White House made a major disaster declaration to unlock federal funds to help with relief efforts. And while California is expected to dry out in the coming days, the endless atmospheric rivers have resulted in new mudslides and mountain regions sit under more than five meters of snow. Global's Reggie Cicchini has the latest.
3: This is a state Battered and bruised by weeks of persistent rainfall. And while relief is on the way, billions of dollars in damages have been left in the wake.
8: Some estimates 22 to 25 trillion gallons of water have fallen over the course of the last 16, 17 days, a stacking of, of these atmospheric rivers, the likes of which we have not experienced uh, in our lifetimes.
3: This past weekend, storms continued to pound coastal California. It was the eighth deluge since December 26th. The grounds are so saturated, they're simply giving out. But there is a glimmer of hope. Monday's storm, the ninth, is expected to be the last in this unending succession.
1: Three floods in, in ten days or a week is it's a bit too much. It's, uh, it's tough, uh,
7: but you know, life, life goes on.
3: For tens of thousands, however, life is in the dark. Power outages are still a problem across the state. Eight million people remain under flood advisories and mudslides caused by balded landscapes after a ferocious wildfire season risk raising the death toll even higher. Much further up, the rain falls as snow and it's piling up by the metre. The trek to the slopes at Lake Tahoe becoming a dangerous journey over the weekend. Snow that, while problematic, will eventually provide a break to the parched state when it
8: melts. We're experiencing a 1,200-year mega-drought over the western United States.
3: The cleanup effort will be a massive undertaking. Federal funding has been provided to alleviate stress on local authorities. But for so many, all they're waiting for is a dry day to assess the damage. Reggie Chikini, Global News.
0: Uh, Just some stunning video from down there, Christy. Um, You know Mm -hmm. that people out in the Fraser Valley know exactly what some of those Californians are going through after what hit us in 2021 Uh, what's going on with you.
2: Well, I just thought I would just quickly show you the parade of storms that they've been dealing with. I have this incredible uh, satellite imagery showing that by comparison, parts of California receiving in excess of 500 millimeters of rainfall since just after Christmas. Now, by comparison for us, we've had about 175 millimeters of rain. Nonetheless, it's been very uh, wet here as well, but nothing like what they're contending with down south. Now, it's not over just yet, but we did have that really nice Saturday. Can't believe it. We had spring-like conditions. I know a lot of people were tweeting me saying that they were in shorts. It was short-lived, but it was nice to have that little bit of a break. But here's a look at what we have to contend with. So we've got another system that's on deck right now. We will see a bit of a break in the action tomorrow, but we still have a few showers and we'll still be dealing with a fair amount of cloud cover. But then when this system drives in, it is going to bring in wet and windy conditions. So this is late tomorrow into our Wednesday morning. So here's the timeline. Shifting into the west coast of Vancouver Island tomorrow morning, but for our region. Cloud and just a chance of showers. Dry conditions in through the interior with some breaks of blue sky for you. And then the showers continue for our region although it will be wetter across the Vancouver Island region. But this is the band that I'm more so concerned about. It's going to bring in not only heavy rain for a period of time late tomorrow into our Wednesday morning but also windy conditions. We don't have any warnings in place right now but we'll keep you up to date on that for tomorrow. Here's a look at the north coast region with rainfall. Some breaks of blue sky in through the interior regions nice four degrees there as for our region temperatures not as mild as what we saw over the weekend but still slightly above seasonal with a high of eight degrees cloud and a chance of showers tomorrow much wetter though tomorrow night into our Wednesday there's some little suns in the icons there Chris which will be nice we'll have more details as to how much we could see it's not looking like a a, a lot of sunshine but at least a bit back to you Lush. oh I forgot a weather window hold on Audio, let yeah, me show yeah. you yeah let's see it This is looking back at Saturday. Uh, This is in the Steveston area, thanks to Steve and Sue. That's uh, Sue out on her paddleboard enjoying the warmth.
0: That is awesome. Yes, a preview of spring, but we'll Mm -hmm. wait for that. Thanks very (laughs) much, Christy. Thanks. A Victoria police officer returning to his cruiser after an impaired driving stop found an unlikely surprise waiting for him inside his car. They call it an unauthorized entry uh, caught on video. So
10: take a look.
8: So I'm at this traffic
10: stop, a little bit of an erratic driver, and while I'm talking to her, this character here decided to jump into my car.
0: (laughs) Such a cute culprit. A cat confronted the officer. Vic PD had been responding to reports of a potentially drug-impaired driver on Kingston Street when the cat, who lives in the neighborhood, you can tell it's got a collar on, snuck into a patrol car, seemingly unbothered by it all. Police say the officer released the four-legged suspect roadside. No charges laid. little scritchy scratch, too. I
6: see a new TV show, Cat and Cop. How's <laughs> The that Buddy Cop done?
0: show, it'll work. No. It'll be huge. Dogs, of course, but... Yeah, we've seen why not? Cat would be a new spin on it. What have you got coming up?
6: Uh, Okay, we're going to hear from Jim Rutherford about the state of the Vancouver Canucks at the halfway point. And also Trevor Linden is going to talk about his friend Gino Ojek. Now, with that in mind, I know we've shown this a bit, but let's go back one more time to the night Gino had a penalty shot goal against the Calgary Flames. This happened just over 31 years ago. Gino Ojek and Mike Bernstein.
0: So good. Also, Gino Ojik may be gone, but he will never be forgotten where the Canuck icon might be memorialized later. Squires here, I, nobody, nobody can question the, the desire of the Canucks to try to keep working, but it, sometimes it doesn't work.
6: Well, I would say on the road trip, which wasn't very good until they won yesterday in Carolina, if you look in the third periods, a lot of times the Canucks just weren't giving up. They weren't winning, mm-hmm. but at least they weren't packing their bags and saying, oh, well, we've lost, let's just you know, wait till a new coach comes in. I, I do think the players are genuinely playing for Bruce Boudreau as best they can but I just don't think that group is good enough Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And Jim Rutherford talked today about a whole range of items involving the Vancouver Canucks. Now, he does take the blame for not being able to get the Vancouver Canucks out of the corner they have painted themselves in regarding the salary cap. Now, granted, a lot of this is on the previous regime run by Jim Benning, but Rutherford did add to the problem rather than solve it.
10: You know, I'm... I'm disappointed in in the job I've done to this point, okay? Because when I first came here, I talked about getting control of the cap, you know, getting the cap back to where it is, getting rid of some contracts, and we haven't been able to do that.
6: Jim Rutherford, of course, isn't the only one who's disappointed in that, but as is often the case with the Canucks, be it now or before, They aren't prepared to completely break things down and do a full rebuild.
10: We're not looking towards a rebuild. I'd rather call it a retool. My preference is when we make these deals is not necessarily for draft picks that may come in and help the team, you know, four years from now, five years from now. I'd prefer to get younger NHL players that maybe didn't work out in their entry-level contract and, you know, bring them in, give them a second chance.
6: Of course, in order to get younger NHLers and room underneath the salary cap, the Canucks will likely need to part with core players, such as Bo Horvat, whose contract situation
10: is still in limbo. We've, we, I believe, have taken our best shot, and the contract that we have on the table for Bo right now, I think is a fair contract for what he's done up until this year. But it's certainly under market value for what he's done this year so we're you know we're in a pickle here okay he, he's had a career year career run and he's looking for his money he deserves it I don't blame him but even with what we have on the table for him now without any changes which we know whether it's through buyouts or something there will be changes for next year um, we're well over the cap on the projection one
6: other thing that could change is head coach Rutherford has not been shy in his criticism of the way the Canucks have played defense this season. And rumors are everywhere that Boudreau could be out of a job soon.
10: We have, uh, I'll say I have, and I'm not going to get into names, and this is even going back a couple of months ago, that I have have called a few people to talk to people, yes. You know, Bruce is a friend, I really like Bruce, and he's done good work here. But this is what we review all the time and try to make a decision. So all I can say is that, that Bruce is our coach right now.
6: The uh, death of Canucks legend Gino Ojek yesterday had an enormous impact on fans, on friends, and those who played alongside him, especially here in Vancouver. And one player who played with Gino, who loves to talk about his friend is Trevor Linden. He says... Gino may have been feared on the ice by others, but off the ice, as we've heard so often, he was a kind and funny man.
14: Yeah, I mean, Gino was a great teammate. I mean, he uh, he cared about people. He loved to be in the locker room. Um, it's so funny because he uh, he's the only, he's the first and the only guy I ever played with in 20 years that called me Dutch, uh, and uh, he, he, I just thought it was so funny. But that's what he called me, and uh, he just loved uh, he loved to. He loved to tease people, and he always had that little that little smirk on his face, and he loved to laugh. He, um, yeah, he just he was just likable, and I think you know whether you were, you know, whether you were from Russia or Sweden or Canada, you just you just saw the humor, and he was just a, just fun to be around.
6: You can see right there how people gravitated towards him, mm-hmm. Vasik Pospisil. And Felix Oje Aliassim, buddies, unfortunately got drawn against each other in round one of the Australian Open. So someone's got to go. And in the first set, it looked like Ogier-Aliassime because Vashik Pospisil won it 6-1. to one. Now, they were close in sets two and three. But Felix, who is ranked number six going into the Aussie Open this year, was able to keep his friend at bay. He won set two, seven, six, six set three. and this is match point in set number four. So Felix moves on, and Vasek Pospisil is out. The other Vancouver player, Rebecca Marino, also did not last a round. She um, was taking on... Zhu of China. And she lost in straight sets, although she does get a point right there. But Marino was knocked out 6-2. 6-4 Tough one So Lin Zhu beats Rebecca Marino Unfortunate, but
0: better luck next time That's the way it is yep. Alright, thanks very much Squire and Coming up, a renewed push to get Gino Ojic into the Vancouver Canucks Ring of Honor That story's next Squire's going to join us as we uh, wrap this up talking about Gino Ojik, who doesn't have, you know, the goals and the assists and, and that of a lot of guys in the ring of honour. But Harold Sneps doesn't have a
6: lot of goals and assists either. He's in the ring of honour. I'm That's not true. saying he shouldn't be, but that can't be the only thing you look at.
0: He was a tough guy with a tender heart, set a standard for toughness that nobody in the history of the franchise can match. And there are a lot of people who think he should be elevated to the ring of honour. Aaron MacArthur reports. Gino Ojik was no goal scorer.
14: When you talked about his hands, it certainly wasn't for finesse. He was no star, but he was adored. Long after he hung up his skates, the chance of Gino would not only fill Rogers' arena, but everywhere he went. Gino! 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 For most of the past decade, Ojik has been battling a heart condition. In 2014, he was hospitalized, medical staff unsure if he would survive. When word got out, fans flocked to VGH. Gino, Gino, Gino. Around that time, a campaign began to take shape to have Gino Ojek memorialized at Rogers Arena. His number, 29, worn in honor of his father's designation at residential school, wasn't likely to be retired, but the Ring of Honor seemed a natural fit.
6: Ring of Honour stands for. It's what you've done for your community, what you've done for your fans.
14: Icons of the team are already there. Quinn, Burroughs, McLean, Sneps. Well, if Harold's up there, Gino belongs up there. <laughs> Ring of Honour, absolutely. Absolutely. He is definitely a legend of this local market. Last year, Gino was inducted into the B.C. Sports Hall of Fame. Longtime friend Marcia McNaughton has been pushing for years to have Gino recognized by the Canucks organization. She has never heard anything back from management.
5: I'll be so mad if they do it now. Because he he couldn't be here to
10: see it.
14: One of the last times Ojek was at Rogers Arena was for a game before Christmas. 20 years after he retired from hockey, the fans, more than happy to look up. And still chant his name.
0: Aaron McCurdy, Global News. No doubt they'll get another chance. And the more
6: you think about it, it, the more I think about it, the more it surprises me that he wasn't put in the ring of honor Mm -hmm. Just because of the connection he had with
0: the fans and this province. And and like she said, it'll be tragic if he makes it up there and didn't get, get a chance to see it. Anyway, that's our show tonight, Christy. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for watching. We'll see you back here tomorrow.